Good morning. We're actually here this morning, which is an absolute blessing. So good morning. Good to see those of you who are here, those of you online. Welcome to all of you as we join our hearts and our minds for worship this morning. And as we get started, let us begin in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we turn to you today. We ask for your Holy Spirit to be poured upon us as we turn our hearts and our minds Towards you. Bless us with your spirit. Bless us with your power while we gather to worship you this morning. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. 
strings of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above praise the mount i'm fixed upon it mount of thy redeeming love Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. To grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let that goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take it, seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Amen. And now before we light our peace candle, last week we had to gather together online at the last moment. And so we didn't get to celebrate Veterans Day together. And so just in this moment, I would like to ask if, if anybody here in the sanctuary is a veteran, would you either stand or raise your hand just so we can look around and honor you? And if anybody online is a veteran, if you could type in your name, let us know that you're here. I know we've got a couple. I see John in the back. Ah, I see Mark Burr raising his hand, and I know we have more online. I see others, so thank you all for all of our veterans. And before we light our peace candle, I know that there's nobody who prays for peace more than somebody who's been in war before. So we pray for peace, and we honor our veterans, and we honor those who serve. And together, with them in mind especially, with all those who have gone through war, will you think of them as we join together and pray for peace? and light our peace candle. God, we turn to you and we pray for peace. As we light this candle, which is a symbol of your peace, we do so with all of the soldiers and veterans in mind. We know how much they yearn for peace. Peace in the world, peace in their lives, peace in their hearts. So together, Lord, thinking of them and all of their sacrifices, we pray for peace. We pray for a world when we can all see each other as brothers and sisters, and together we may know your peace. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Okay, pups, I have a story for you today. It's about a mean king and a brilliant judge and a couple of soldiers. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can I tell the story? I know this one. Sure, Charlie. Go right ahead. There was an evil king named Jabin. He was great and powerful. 
And there was a wise prophetess and judge over Israel, and her name was Deborah. Don't I look so pretty as a girl, Charlie? Yes, Bernie, but we have a story to tell. The king overpowered the Israelites and was mean to them for 20 years. But then, Deborah had a plan. She knew that if her soldier, Barak, went to battle against the king's army, then the Israelites would win. But the Israelites are God's people, right? Yep. But Deborah's plan meant that a woman was going to save the Israelite people. She said, Barak, chase after the leader of the king's army, and a woman named Jael will save our people. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, that's a short story. Kind of. But the point of the story is that the Israelite people needed to spend more time devoted to God. And that's what Deborah taught them. Deborah taught the people to focus on God and to worship God, and that God would be with them no matter what struggles they faced. Oh, that's a good lesson. We could follow that lesson today, too. Yep. Worship God, love God, and God will help you and guide you every day of your life. Bye, Bye kids. kids. Have a blessed Have a day. day. You don't want to know how long it takes to edit those videos. It's kind of hilarious, and yet I love to do it. So <laughs> hopefully the kids get a kick out of them. All right, so we have some announcements this morning. We have an announcement video coming for you in just a moment. But before we do that, I have another important announcement. Now, you guys know about 10 years ago, we redid the roof on this sanctuary, but we still have to redo the rest of the roofs throughout the rest of the church. So the trustees are all set to do that. They're going to need uh, the money approved, though, in order for that to happen. So an email is is going out to you this week where you're going to have everything that that you need to know about the new roof that we need to approve as a congregation and then on the 29th of november after worship assuming we're still able to be in this place we'll talk about that in just another minute uh we will if you are here in the place you can stay seated and everybody else who is online will join us on zoom and we are all going to join together as we uh, gather together on Zoom in order to go through a very brief annual meeting where we only discuss the roof. Everything else will wait till our next annual meeting. And so we can approve that so that the trustees can get that all uh, planned out and all uh, finished. And so we are going to make sure that that happens. So just mark November 29th on your calendar for a Zoom meeting, though if you're here in the sanctuary, you'll also be able to stay put here in the sanctuary. And then that brings us to whether or not we're going to be in the sanctuary for much longer. And so it's my understanding that if we end up going to Red for Erie County, then we're probably going to have to go virtual for a couple weeks. My hope is that that might not happen, and that's my first hope. My second hope is that if it does happen, it might just be a couple of weeks. It's easier for us to take a step back if we need to. We had to do it last week. So just be prepared. Before you come to church on Sunday morning, make sure that you check to see exactly what's going on. We're going to try to follow all of the guidelines so we don't get in trouble and so that we keep everybody safe. Hopefully we'll be able to keep going as we're doing. If not, we might have to go virtual. So just 
be prepared. Hopefully, in a couple weeks, our numbers start declining and everything is good. And now we have a special announcement from the three J's. Good morning, church. This is John Pauling, and I am so happy to be with you today virtually. Um, I have some ex very exciting news to share with you uh, about a an upcoming announcement. And some of you may already know about this, but uh, we'll be talking about that here in just a second. But before we get started, I'm sure that you all have the same pressing question on your mind that you are asking yourself, right? So you're probably all wanting to know, did John get a haircut? I did get a haircut, and thank you so much for asking. So along with me today, I have the other two Jays, both Joyce and Jeff. Joyce, would you like to take a moment to say hi to everyone? Hi everyone, miss you, and I hope you can enjoy with us the virtual meat raffle. And John, I, I love your hair. The color and the cut is just perfect on you. So let me not hog the screen. Sounds good, thanks Joyce. Also, I have Jeff here today, and Jeff, would you like to say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. Great to see you again. It's going to be a great time uh, spent together with family and friends in small groups, of course. Uh, you can do it all at your home where it's safe and secure, and it's helping the church and helping fill your bellies. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. So, of course, when we get the three J's together, we are here, to, obviously, to talk about fundraising for the church. And as Joyce mentioned, we are going to be having our very first ever virtual meat raffle, which the Board of Trustees has put together for you. So what I'd like to do is just take a few moments to share some details about this event. Um, now, the meat raffle itself will be held on Saturday, December 12th at 7 p.m. And this event will be held as a Facebook Live event. Uh, so just think about how you attend online worship it will be the same type of environment. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Facebook event page in just a second, but one of the questions that you might be asking yourself is, well, how can I participate? We have four different packages that you can choose from if you'd like to take part in the event. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about package one, which is our premier package. It is our best deal. Package one is $85. And what that does is that gets you into all 15 rounds of the meat raffle plus the finale. For every round, you will be given three entries, uh, which we'll talk about how you get those entries in just a moment. Plus you'll get three entries into the 50-50 and a chance to win a $300 Pelicanos gift card. So not too shabby. Uh, package two is similar, uh, except it does not include the entry for the Pelicanos gift card and you get one 50-50. And then you'll see packages three and four allow you to be able to purchase just the 50-50. So how do you purchase the tickets? So if you go ahead and if I scroll down, you'll notice that we have a couple of different payment options that are available. If you'd like to purchase online using a credit card, there's a website address that you can go to. We'll talk about that in just a second. You do need to make those purchases no later than December 7th. Or if you prefer to send a check directly into the church, you can do so but we do ask that those checks be received no later than November 28th. So let's talk a little bit about the logistics of the event itself. As I mentioned, we've created a Facebook event page for this. And so if you just jump out to the Facebook page for the church, which is facebook.com slash Zion UCCTON, from that page, you can jump right over to the events. 
And on the events page, here's where you'll find our virtual meat raffle page. Now on this page, there's a few things that you'll want to use this for. First of all, this is where you can go to see a link directly to your payment options. And it's also on this page that you'll want to visit the morning of the event. Because the morning of the event, what we'll post out here is what numbers are assigned to all of you who have purchased package one or package two. So you'll know exactly what your winning numbers are for any given round. So what will happen is for the event itself, you'll join the Facebook Live event right from this page starting at 7 o'clock. And at the church live will be Lynn, who is our meat raffle coordinator. She will have her wheel there. And for every single round, which again, the first round starts at 7.15. So for every round, what will happen is she will share with you what she's about to give away for that round. When she spins the wheel, if the number that comes in matches any of the numbers that you have for that round, you've won. And at the end of the round, we will also announce the names of who won during that given round. At the very end of the event, we'll also post to this Facebook page all of the winners for the entire event. So one of the questions that you might be asking yourself is, well, how do I go about picking up my winnings? You'll notice on this same page that it talks about our meat pickup. And it's also listed on our flyer, which I'll go back to for just a second. So the meat pickup will take place a week later on Saturday, December 19th at Pelicano's, which is on Niagara Falls Boulevard in North Tonawanda. And when you stop by between the hours of 9 and 11, all you have to do is give us your name and we will get you your winnings for the event. So we are incredibly excited about this event, and we hope that you are too. This is a safe way for us to all have some fun together. We would love for everyone to take part in the event. And if you have any questions whatsoever, I definitely encourage you to visit our Facebook page that I pointed out to you. You'll notice that on this page, we've provided you a link to the flyer that I just showed you. We've also provided you with a link to frequently asked questions that you might have that might go beyond what I just shared with you. We are super excited. We hope that you are as well. We hope that you are all safe and well, and I hope that you have a very lovely upcoming Thanksgiving. Great to see everyone. Bye. And I do need to add that there was one change after we got this all planned that the pickup's actually going to be on Wednesday night instead of a week from the event because that's just what worked for Pelicanos. So if you are a winner from the meat raffle, you're going to go pick up your meat at Pelicanos on Wednesday night. Please join me for today's litany. So the response is going to be, when I say to you, oh God, you all say, we give thanks. God, you are the Alpha and Omega. You were here before anything else existed, and you will be here when everything and everyone has come to an end. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Creating God, you spoke and the entire universe came into existence. You know the secrets of stars and dark holes and far-flung galaxies. Thine is
sanctuary and maybe some online may have realized that we had a slight little glitch there but zach is a fast worker and we were able to get everything back online we hope correctly so hopefully everybody is okay so what we will do now is read our scripture passage our scripture passage comes from the gospel of matthew the 25th chapter we will read verses 14 through 30 
So we don't have Bibles here in the sanctuary, but if you have your phone and you want to use a Bible app, you are more than welcome to do that. So if you see your neighbor with their phone out, don't judge them because they're probably just looking at their Bible. If you're at home, feel free to grab your Bible wherever you are and open up to the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, verses 14 through 30. And friends, if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. I love that amen. It makes my heart happy. Starting with verse 14. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. This is Jesus reciting a parable. To you, or to one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to each according to his ability. And then he went away, and then the one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. And in the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled the master and settled the accounts with them. And then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you have handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one who had two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed me two talents. See, I have made you two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one who who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and I gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for the worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, if you are not with us in Bible study this week, I promise you, by the time the sermon is over, you will have a better understanding over what we just read. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
you join with me in a moment of prayer? Good and gracious God, God who is above all, God is more, who is more powerful than we can ever imagine. God, we turn to you this morning. As we don't understand everything in this world, we know that we know you and you understand all. So bless us with your peace this morning. Bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds, so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Okay, so who has a guess over what makes mainline Protestants the most uncomfortable out of all things we're kind of tasked to do by Jesus? Any guesses here? Well, I'm going to tell you it's not talking about difficult subjects. We can manage to talk about difficult subjects okay. We can at least muddle our way through them to the best of our ability. That's not what the most difficult thing is for mainline Protestants. But the thing that makes mainline Protestants, and I'm talking like UCC, United Methodists, Presbyterians, all of us disciples, all of us together, the one thing that I think makes mainline Protestants the most uncomfortable out of things that Jesus tells us to do is evangelism. Anybody agree with me here? Anybody feel a little uncomfortable? Look, I even think you, Pastor Pierre, back there even got a hand raised from a pastor. That's the one thing that kind of makes us mainline Protestants a little bit uncomfortable. We're like, evangelism? That's what those other Christians do. Like, evangelism, that's, that's not really for us. Like, sorry, Jesus, you're looking at the wrong kind of Christians. That's kind of what happens when you talk to mainline Protestants about evangelism. Am I right? <laughs> it's, it's sad, but it's true. But, I mean, it's okay. I mean, the reason why mainline Protestants can be so uncomfortable with the topic and the idea of evangelism is because we don't want to be pushy. We don't want to be like those people who are out there running around asking people if they've been saved or not. That's not within our comfort zone. Somebody raise your hand if that is within your comfort zone. Yeah, I see no hands. Exactly. Online, probably not seeing any hands. That's not really something that's within our comfort zone. And so we don't really feel comfortable talking about things like evangelism. We don't want to be too pushy. We also don't want to seem anti-other religions because we, we respect other religions. We love our Jewish brothers and sisters. We work together with people from different faiths to the best of our ability. We respect those of other faiths. So we also don't want to seem like if we're being evangelical, we don't want to seem like we are being anti-other religions. Anybody still with me here? So these are some of the reasons why us mainline Protestants don't often find ourselves too comfortable with the task of being evangelists. But before we talk about evangelism too much, well, first I'll let you know that, that evangelism doesn't necessarily mean to go converting people. That's sometimes people think that if you're being an evangelist, you need to go and you need to convert other people. That's not what it means. To be, uh, to be evangelical, it means to announce or, or to preach in some way the gospel or the good news. So it doesn't necessarily mean to go around converting other people. Well, before we get too much into what evangelism means, let me break down this parable. Now, some of you, if you were not with us in Bible study this week, you were probably like, why are you even talking about evangelism? We just talked about a parable where there's a master who gives his slave money. Like, what in the world does that have to do with evangelism? Some of you might be asking that question. 
But this is a parable. And a parable is a story meant to illustrate a point. And this parable specifically is a metaphor. It's one large metaphor. So in our parables that we find in the Gospels, when Jesus tells a parable and there is a master, who do you think that master always is? God, I heard it exactly. That master is God. So God is the master. So in this parable, we're going to walk through it so we make sure we understand it. Because I didn't realize that otherwise this parable can be quite scary to people. That's why I love Bible study. I love when people can tell me what they're, what they're thinking. Because I don't realize that sometimes if you don't understand the full meaning of this parable, it can be quite scary, especially as it comes to an end. So in this parable, we have the master, and the master is God. And then we have three of his servants. There's three servants here in this parable. The first worker gets the most of the master's money. The second worker gets a pretty decent amount of the master's money. And then the third just gets a little bit of the master's money. But remember, this is a parable, so it's not actually about money. Jesus isn't talking about money at all, which is good, because what do you think the second most uncomfortable topic is for mainline Protestants? Probably money. <laughs> exactly. We don't have to tackle that one today, so take a big deep breath. You don't have to tackle the topic of money today. We're only talking about one uncomfortable thing today, and that one uncomfortable thing is evangelism. So here is what we need to know. In this parable... Jesus is not talking about money. He's not talking about money. Money is just the metaphor being used. But instead, he's talking about faith. Faith and the knowledge of the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's think about it this way. There are three workers in the story. The first has a lot of faith. They have a lot of faith. Their faith within them is so strong. They have a lot of faith. And so they go around and they share their faith with others. They don't hide their faith at all, but they share their faith with, other and with others. And their faith blesses other people. And before you know it, their faith becomes contagious. And it spreads from one person to the next to the next. Contagious in a good way, not like coronavirus. It becomes contagious in a good way. And that one person's faith spreads from them to the next to the next, to the next, until their faith begins to multiply. And then there's the second servant, and the second servant has not quite as much faith as the first, but they've got a lot of faith. And that second servant, they have faith, and so, so they also share their faith. Maybe not quite as much as the other one, but they also share their faith, and, and they share their faith, and they share their knowledge of the Gospels, and, and they share their faith until that faith begins to multiply. It spreads from one friend to another, and that faith multiplies. But then there's the third person in the story, and the third person has faith. But what does that third person do? That third person, Jesus says, you know, goes and, and buries it under a rock. That third person has faith, but they don't tell a single person about that faith. That third person has faith, but they hide it like so deep down inside that you can't even see any light shining out of them. They hide their faith so deep down inside of them that nobody even knows that they have faith. If a friend is going through a hard time, they don't say like, oh, Doug, I'm so sorry, I'm praying for you, you know, I, I love you and I'm praying for you. They don't say anything like that. Instead, they just keep their lips closed. <laughs> Somebody asks about God, and instead of saying, well, well, let me tell you what I think about God, they just keep their lips closed and they say nothing at all. That's what that third person does. They dig their faith so deep down inside that even those who are closest to them don't even know that they have faith. So in the end, God is pleased with the first two because 
they took their faith and they blessed others with their faith. But God is not pleased with the third one. God's like, you just kept your faith all to yourself. You didn't share your faith at all. Nobody was blessed by the faith that you have. So here we go. So let's think about evangelism again. With evangelism, I don't think that Jesus wants us running around, knocking on doors, asking people if they know Jesus. There's already other Christians who do that. They can do that to the best of their ability. I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to do. I don't think Jesus wants us running around trying to convert people from other religions. But do you know what I think Jesus wants us to do? I think Jesus wants us to take our faith and to bless other people. I think Jesus wants us to do the opposite of the first one who, who digs his, his faith down so deep nobody knows that he has it. But I think that Jesus wants us to allow our faith to multiply, not by necessarily going out onto the street corners and preaching to everybody and, and getting one of those megaphones and, and preaching like a fire and brimstone preacher out there on the sidewalks. I don't think that that's what Jesus wants us to do. But what I think Jesus wants us to do, and I think that this can be somewhat within our, com our comfort zone as mainline Protestants, is I think Jesus wants us to use our faith to bless people. And if you don't know what I mean, I'm going to give you an example. And my example just happens to be Ted right there, who I told had to be here in church on Sunday. And for once, by the way, I actually asked somebody if I could use them in a sermon. <laughs> I never do that. I usually just look around and pick on you all. But I didn't do that. Today I actually, I, I asked Ted because I realized that Ted is actually a person who's been able to bless other people with his faith. So Ted, good job. You're being a good example today. So here's what I mean when I think that we are supposed to be so evangelical that we bless other people with our faith. Ted is a person of faith. So Ted right there, the first thing I can see is, I, I think on both Ted and Paula right there, is that they're wearing crosses on their neck. So they have crosses on their neck, which I'm going to guess a lot of people probably do. It's just one of those simple things that we do. I don't know if you're like me, but my cross brings me comfort when I'm going through something or, or whatever. I sit here and I, I have it in my hand, but they're wearing crosses on their necks. So Ted always wears a cross on his neck. And Ted is not running around. He does preach from time to time, but he's not running around preaching to all of his friends and telling them that they're going to hell if they don't believe the same way that he believes. He doesn't do that. At least I don't think you do, Ted. <laughs> he doesn't go around doing that. But you know what Ted does is he makes sure that his friends know that he has faith. All of his friends, they know that he's a person of faith. Even his co-workers, he's not breaking any boundaries and preaching to them in any way. But his co-workers need, know that he's a person of faith. So what happens when you're Ted's friend and you're going through a hard time and you're struggling in some way and you're really upset, maybe your heart is broken, maybe you need to talk to a person of faith and you don't know any of people of faith. If you're Ted's friend and you know that Ted is a person of faith, who do you go to? You go to Ted. And so that's what happens. People who are going through a hard time and they are, happen to be Ted's friend, they look up to him and they said, well, Ted, I, I know you wear that cross around your neck. Like, Ted, I know that you believe. Can you help me? Because I'm really struggling right now. Like, Ted, I'm going through a hard time, and, and I, I'm really heartbroken, and I need somebody to pray with me. Like, will you pray with me, or will you pray for me? And suddenly, even though Ted hasn't gone around telling everybody that they, they need to believe the same way that he does, just because he didn't bury his faith deep, deep down inside, just because he let his faith be known by others, he's then able to bless others with his faith. See, Ted wasn't so bad, right? Using you as an example. That's what I think we're supposed to do. 
Let's think about it, friends. Jesus gives us three examples. The first example is somebody who blesses people with their faith so much that the faith starts to multiply. So does the second person. The third person takes their faith and they dig it so deep down inside that not a single person can be blessed by them. So instead of thinking about evangelism in the way that other churches do it, let's think about evangelism in a way that it can bless other people. Lori's a Christian. She, she works with other people, and, and maybe somebody's going through a hard time, and, and they say, Lori, I know that you're a Christian, and I'm really struggling. Do you think you can add me to your prayer list? And she does, and suddenly she's blessing somebody else with her faith. That's the way that we can bless other people. I want you to think about something for just a moment. You guys probably know that our church, it's hard to tell right now, is where a small community gathered and, and the rest of us joining online but our church in the last few years has grown a lot. We're able to grow and grow and grow. We've actually grown more than, I think, any church in our association and probably than most in our conference. All you hear about is church decline, and yet our church has been able to grow. How has our church been able to grow? Well, you know what? A lot of ways that our church grows is through those little tiny blessings, those little tiny things. One neighbor says to another neighbor that they're, that they're a Christian, that they're going to church on Sunday, and then they, they talk about their church. They talk about something that goes on in their church, and suddenly that neighbor goes, well, hey, do you think I can join you in church on Sunday morning? One, one church member is watching church online, and so they share that they're watching church online. And then suddenly, other of their friends start to watch with them, and they start to go, you know what, that, that might be a church that's right for me. Like, this is really enriching my faith. Or, or think about how, how somebody could uh, go to a coffee shop. You know, we've got people who go out for coffee with their friends all the time, and we've had this happen. Somebody goes and has coffee with their friends, and they start talking about things going on in church. And suddenly that, there's somebody else in their coffee group that goes, I could really use a church like that. Or, or even one of my favorite ways that our church has grown is through baptisms. I always joke, like, you got to be careful if you get your baby baptized here because you might never leave. Because that's what seems to happen. Because we have one uh, church member baptize their baby, and then they're, they're at work with somebody, and the person's like, oh, well, I have a baby, and I want to get them baptized. Where did you get your baby baptized? And they're like, oh, just, just call my pastor or email my pastor. You know, here you go. Here's her information. And then before you know it, that family's here getting their baby baptized. But the sneaky thing, we won't tell anybody online this, although they're all watching, but the sneaky thing is when people come here and they get their children baptized, they're like, wow, this is a community of faith. I can feel the faith from each person. I can feel that it's not all bundled up inside, but I can feel that their faith is alive, and I can feel their faith, and they want to be a part of that faith. Do you see how we can make our faith multiply? Us mainline Protestants might not like talking about evangelism that much because <laughs> we don't want to go around in, in too much of a preachy, pushy way doing anything like that. Yet I think that we actually have some pretty good sneaky evangelism. Maybe this should be like a private sermon, huh? You know, we have like a little sneaky evangelism where we realize that all that we do is we, we just share the good news in the, the smallest little ways. We let people know that we are people of faith. Someone's going through a hard time, and we don't just say, oh, my thoughts and prayers are with you, but we say, I am praying for you. You are on my prayers. You're in my prayers today. You're going to be in my prayers tomorrow, and I'm going to keep praying for you. And we lift each other in prayer. There is so much that we do that, these, that is this little seed of evangelism 
that helps to make our faith grow. So maybe evangelism isn't this big, scary thing. Maybe it's not so scary after all. We don't have to go around preaching in the way that others do, but we do have to make our faith known. We do have to let other people know, our friends, our coworkers, our colleagues, whoever they are. We do need people to know, like, hey, Dave is a Christian. He is one who believes, and it's even better when he's like, wow, he's a Christian, but he's not out like, like being mean to other people. He's actually acting like a follower of Christ. That's even better. You know, when we start going out and we do these little tiny things, they bless people, and they help to multiply other people's faith. So how can we make sure that our faith is not buried deep down inside, but it is alive and it's shining from within us? How can we make sure that our faith is something that is known, not just by ourselves, but that it's known by other people in a way that's not too scary? How can we make sure that our faith is known by others? Because when our faith is known by others, friends, that is when we can bless other people. Why does God want us to share our faith? God wants us to share our faith in a way that's not scary because God wants us to bless other people. God wants us to know when they're going through a hard time that God is there with them. God wants us to let other people know that when their hearts are broken, God is there to help them to heal. God wants us to let other people know that God loves them more than they can even possibly imagine. God wants us to help to spread the good news, and it doesn't need to be a scary thing to do. All it might mean sharing our faith with others in those small ways, being a friend, praying for people, caring for people, sharing those little bits of good news. By doing those small, small things, we might make our faith multiply. Our faith might leap from us to somebody who needs it so badly right now. So on this day, friends, as we look at this parable, how can we make our faith multiply? Not just about our church. We, it's not just about our church growing. That's not our only concern. How can we make our faith multiply? How can my faith bless you? How can your faith bless another? And how can that faith go on to bless others? That is the kind of evangelism I think we're called to. How our faith can bless others. Suddenly it's not quite so scary anymore, is it? I hope not. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you and we praise you on this day. We thank you for giving us faith faith that we know, faith that we have. We thank you for others who shared their faith with us. We thank you for all the times that you've allowed us to share our faith with others and to comfort friends. So God, we just ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us and help us to share our faith even more. Not in big, scary ways, but in little ways and meaningful ways. Because, Lord, there are so many people out there in this world hurting and in need of hope. Let us give them hope. Let us bless them with hope. Please, Lord, today and every day. We pray this all through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God with our tithes and offerings. together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Cross me, love poured out. Bring me to my knees. 
Amen. And now let us go forth with the blessing of God. Let us go forth sharing our faith with others, even if it might be a little scary at times. Let us go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all.